Okay. Um, so, I remember the night quite well. It was one of those nights that was cold. It was snowy. The roads were slushy and wet from all of the snow, the snow plows going down the road, spreading the salt. And it was one of those days, one of those nights where you really shouldn't be out in the weather. But yet, I was going to go. There was um, something I had to be to. And, uh, you know, before I fired up my rusty old 78 Ford pickup truck, uh, my dad and I had a conversation, and you know there was there was no convincing me, but he's like, "Do you do you really need to go? Do you really need to be there? I think they'll survive without you there. The game is still going to happen. You don't need to be there." But there was no convincing this 18-year-old mind. And I have a picture of the old truck there, and. Um, I was stubborn. I, I was going to go. It didn't matter what my, my dad said, no matter what. He, he wasn't going to change my mind. There, there she is in all of her glory. So before I drove off, my dad said, don't go fast. Take your time. To which I replied, you got it. Now with Old Blue warmed up and ready to go, I set out on my journey. Now you might be wondering, what is so important that he needs to go out into this weather? Is it a Utah Jazz playoff game? No. Is it a University of Utah uh, uh, NCAA tournament basketball game? No. It was church ball, and I was going to be there. There was a basketball game that I needed to play in. I, I thought of myself as the team's Carl Malone. I was going to be the mailman. I was going to deliver come rain, snow, sleet, or shine. I was going to be there. And besides, I had the perfect machine to get me there the old four-wheel drive truck. So here I am, moving along, jamming out to my AM radio, probably had on the country classics, you know, George Strait or something, uh, just traveling down the road, and then all of a sudden, the back end of the truck drops. And it's like, oh, no, what in the world? So I get to Atherton Drive, I turn left, and I pull off, and I get out of the truck, and there it is, a flat tire. So... Because I'm not dressed for the winter, I'm in tearaway pants with basketball shorts, tennis shoes, probably a hoodie or something. I get out and I, if any of you drive a truck or an SUV, you know where the spare tire is located. Under the bed, in the back, where all the salt sits, where it's in the weather. So the wing nut that drops the spare tire is rusted. It's not coming down. And the tire, I'm pretty sure, was flat. And I didn't have a jack. So this 18-year-old didn't really do his pre-trip inspection very well before going out into the weather. So I pull out the old cell phone. Now, nowadays it's kind of normal for kids to have cell phones. But back then it was uncommon for adults to have cell phones. And I remember uh, my dad uh, thought I was kind of crazy getting the Costco special voice stream 700 minutes with the first minute free, no, no text messaging. Uh, text messaging wasn't a thing. And uh, that night, I'm glad that I had that cell phone. So, so I call my dad, and it's probably like 6 o'clock at night. It's not terribly late, but it's, it's cold. It's snowy. And I, I get, the phone, get on the phone with my dad, and I'm like, Dad, 
this is what happened. So I go through everything that happened, what I tried to do. And he's like, all right, Forrest, I'm coming. So he grabs a spare tire, he grabs a jack, and uh, he starts making his way to me. About 20 minutes later, he gets there. And he brought a, a sleeping bag that was kind of waterproof on one side so I could lay down in it because he wasn't going to get in the snow. He's like, this is your decision. You're going to, to do it yourself. So we attempted again to get the spare tire down, and it, it wasn't happening. So then there I am, jack up the truck, start getting the, the wheel off. And like I said, it's snowy. It, it's slushy. And people are coming off 4700 South, turning onto this road. And you would think common decency, hey, there's a kid on the side of the road changing a tire. Nah. Slush. All down, all down my back and on the... My dad was ticked. Now he's yelling at the car. And so then now he's standing kind of out in the street to try to keep people from getting close. And they still... I thought he was going to chase after people and get, you know, give them a piece of his mind. But... You know, we, we got the tire changed. We, we, uh, I, I made my way home. And, you know, the thing that stands out to me in this story today, 20 years later, is that was, that's a characteristic of, of who my dad is. He's always been willing to give of his time, his knowledge, his talents, his resources. You know, and, and it's been on more than one occasion, not just for me, for my sisters, but I think of my grandma. He is, she's in her 80s and suffers from dementia. And she, he's constantly down there caring for the house, caring for the yard, and, and taking care of her, taking care of his friends. He, he'll, he'll drop what he's doing to come and help and to serve. You know, so th there's two things that I kind of learned from this story. One, maybe next time I listen to Dad when he says, don't go out into the weather. I, I, pr I probably still go, but... Uh, Second is I, that's who I want to be. That's the kind of person I want it to be. Someone that gives, someone that is generous, someone that is radically generous. You might ask, what happened about the basketball game? The whole reason you went out to the weather. Well, if memory serves me correctly, I was the only one that didn't make it and we lost the game. I'm not going to indulge on anything, but I'm just going to say we, we lost the game. But do you have anybody like that in your life that is generous, that goes out of their way, that, that is willing to drop whatever they, they have going on at a moment's notice and bless you? Or maybe you want to be that person that is generous to other people. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been in a series. We've been talking about who is Life Church? Why are we here? Why do we exist? What is our purpose? And we've learned uh, several things. You know, the first week we looked at how God calls us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus, that God gives us this role through relationship to love people and lead them to Jesus. And then we talked about how we need to have a commitment to God's word and allowing God's word to transform who we are, that we allow it to speak to us, that our commitment to God's word will enable and empower us to lead people to Jesus. And then we talked about how Jesus was constantly innovative in the way he did ministry, meeting people where they were at, uh, loving on people, and, and being with them where they were, that Jesus uses new things to impact communities. And then last week, we talked about intentionally loving people, how Jesus was so intentional with his love for people because he knew his purpose, and that purpose pushed him. And that our understanding of our purpose should propel our intentionality to love 
other people. Which brings us to today's topic, which you might be able to deduce from my story, is about generosity and this idea of radical generosity. And I had this thought, radical generosity is evidence of our faith and trust in God. Now, the main text we'll be pulling from is from Exodus chapter 35 at the end of the chapter in the first part of chapter 36. And I want to encourage you this morning as we go into this subject that can be uncomfortable, it can kind of rub us the wrong way, stay open-minded, listen to what God's Word has to say, because it's important. It's a principle that needs to impact our lives and our character and who we are. But before we do that, let's pray. Father... I thank you this morning for another opportunity to learn from your word. I pray that as we go over this topic, this idea of generosity, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive, Father. Help us to not close off, to tune out, because this is a principle that is close to your heart and and a part of your character. So I pray that you would help us to be open to listening and hearing what you are saying through your word. We thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles or your phones or your tablets, whatever, turn to Exodus chapter 35, verse 31. We're going to read through uh, chapter 36, verse 1, and it says this, The Lord has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, intelligence, and skill in all kinds of crafts. He is able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in cutting and setting gemstones and in carving wood. In fact, he has every necessary skill. And the Lord has given both him and Aholiab's son of Ahishamech, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as jewelers, designers, weavers, and embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn on fine linen cloth. They excel in all the crafts needed for the work. Bezalel, Oholiab, and the other craftsmen whom the Lord has gifted with wisdom, skill, and intelligence will construct and furnish the tabernacle, just as the Lord has commanded. Now we pick up our story after the Israelites have left Egypt. God has done miraculous signs for them, taking them out of Egypt. They've walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. Uh, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord has led them by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, leading them to Mount Sinai, where they have witnessed God's glory on the mountain through clouds and thunder and, and great signs. And then Moses goes up onto the mountain where he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. And God is inscribing on so- tablets of stone the Ten Commandments. Well, Moses is gone, the Israelites feel, for way too long. We don't know what's happened to this guy. Aaron, form for us in the image of a calf, an idol that we can worship. So they make an idol out of, uh, in, this, in the image of a calf, out of gold. Moses comes down, sees it, and gets ticked, throws the tablets down, chastises the people, and says, Y'all, I'll go back up and I'll see if God will show you guys mercy for being so hard-hearted. So he goes back up on the mountain, 40 days, 40 nights, and he's there again, and God gives him the Ten Commandments and gives them instructions on how to live their life and how to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a building where God's glory will be, where the priests will offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. 
This is where the Ark of the Covenant will sit, where the Ten Commandments are inside of them. This is where God is going to meet with the people. Moses comes down, and he shares this information, and they begin the construction of the tabernacle. And where we picked up is the people have brought all of these things for them to build it, and God has blessed these men and women with the ability to build it, to construct it. You know, there's been many conversations in my life with my dad about where did they even come up with that idea? Like, who thought of, you know what, let's mine the ground and find iron and fashion it into swords and helmets and shields or bronze or steel? Or, you know, who, who came up with the idea of creating fabric? Let's get some wool and some cotton and weave it together to make clothing. Or the internal combustion engine. How do you even come up with that idea to create a, a vehicle that will uh, make life easier? Or a rocket ship or cellular technology? All of these things. How does it happen? And my dad would always reply, I believe it's divinely inspired. Well, yeah, dad, I agree, but that's a little too simple, isn't it? But there it is, right there in God's word. God gave these people the ability to do what needed to be done. He gave them the ability to create beautiful objects of gold, silver, bronze, carving wood, setting stones. It, it was something that God had given them. So where does this idea, this principle of radical generosity come from? Well, first I would say it comes from God. It's who He is. In the beginning of time, when He created the world, He gave order out of chaos. He gave life to creatures, to beings. He gave life to us, breathing his breath of life into us. The Bible tells us that at the end of times, he is going to give us a new heaven and a new earth and make order out of the chaos. The ministry of Jesus is ripe full of examples of radical generosity. Jesus, throughout his entire life, is giving uh, healing people, walking with people, encouraging people, loving people. Ultimately, Jesus' radical generosity would cost him his life. So if we, his believers, truly follow him, how much are we willing to give? What are we willing to do? You know, this idea of radical generosity isn't something that was created by preachers. It wasn't created by the church. Has it been abused by preachers? Has it been abused by the church? Unfortunately, yes, it has. But you see, those people will answer to God for their abuse of what, uh, uh, of people's generosity. Because you see, I can guilt you into giving. I can pressure you into giving. I can uh, pick it. You can make somebody give even when they don't want to. If you can get a hold of their emotions. I mean, we've all seen the, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, I will remember you. Da, 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 da. And it's got the sad dogs. and the, it, it pressures you into giving. You can, you can push somebody to give. But you see, all throughout Scripture, we see this character trait of generosity of God. Throughout, it's weaved in there. God giving blessings to those that trust and to follow Him. You know, we should be inspired by 
the example of Jesus' generosity. It should be something that is embedded into our character, into who we are. But you see, it can be hard. It goes against our nature. A few weeks ago, we talked about our sinful nature and how there's this duality inside of us and how it's constantly at war with uh, the spirit side of us and, and, and the world side of us. You know, we're still attached to this world, and we work hard for what we have. And it's not so easy to give it away. We can create a million excuses as, why, as to why we won't do it. But what we need to understand is not why we can't give, but why we cannot not give. To realize why it is imperative for us to give. Take a look at this video. Fourteen and a half is whenever I got my first job. Um, it was, you know, you pay your tithe first, and then after that, you are generous with what else you have. Since I've been a follower, I was making $4.25 an hour, and not only did I pay my tithe, but I also felt blessed enough that I had a missions payment each month. You don't have the finances to be a generous giver monetarily you give in other ways and so my parents like we with our time we were very generous with our time there are these principles in the bible that are there um it's not a secret that you you when you give whatever it is you're gonna get it back i was taught again early on um you give to get to give again it's a cycle. It's not meant to stop with you getting what it is back. But we can look back and see that as we've been faithful with giving our time, we actually spend more time together now than we have our entire marriage. Such a powerful principle that I really believe it exists outside of even a belief in God. There are plenty of philanthropists out there and um, people that understand this outside of a religious context too um, and that sort of helps because it sort of says that there are things in the world and in the universe that work to lead you back to God if you'll let it. My, my perspective has shifted from being the receiving end to the giving end. My daughter is radically generous at the age of seven. Like, wants to give away everything that she owns to the neighbor kids and trying to also be an encourager. I don't want to discourage them and constantly be like, no, because then I'm hampering what God is telling them to do. It's me learning that it's not my place to say whether or not they're going to like the gift that's being given. It's me trying to foster her and help her and encourage her to be generous with what she has. And sometimes that means that I have to take five minutes out of my day to walk around the block to give someone a gift that in my mind seems silly, but in her mind is like the most precious thing that she has to give. You can be generous at all times, but if it's not, God's will for us to be generous at that moment, then we're stealing a blessing from someone else. And so for me, it's always a 
well, is this something that God is telling me to do? Or is this something that I personally feel like I want to do? But on the balance of things, you can take that and really twist it and use it as an excuse to never do it either. And so you can only do that if you're really tuned in and you really understand. And like what Pastor Alfred says, he says, I have one sandwich. The only question is, who do I give it to? It's not, I don't have two sandwiches, so I don't have to worry about giving two sandwiches. I only have one sandwich. That's what God has given me. I, I mean, I guess the less, the overall lesson, whether you're thinking about time, talent, or uh, money is God's going to try to stretch you in the area that you're the weakest at. I mean, I think that's just his general way of operating to begin with. And when he starts to do that, the tendency is to shrink back and to really protect it even more when the reality is to say, no, I'm just going to push into it. Giving has taught me humility in the fact that, you know, growing up, I never, I never had much. We gave time more than we gave money. And so now that we're here, where we are today, and we are radically generous, it's very hard. Like, I struggle with the humility part of it. And I try not to forget where I came from to continue the radical blessing is that I've been on that end and I know how it feels and I know like paying for kids to go to camp I was that person and so it's important to me to remember that lives can be changed and so I'm just trying to maintain and not ever let my left hand know what my right hand is doing and so I want people to be able to experience the love of God and be able to say, God did this for me. And it wasn't like, oh, Tommy and Carrie did this for me. Because ultimately, I can't be people's saviors. Only God can do that. And if I can, if I can be that vessel for someone, then, then I want to do that. We we are not here to save everybody on the earth. We're here to call to give our one sandwich, and that's all we can do. So I'll say this statement again. Radical generosity is evidence of our faith and trust in God. You know, what we see, what we know, is there. there's three ways that we can give three ways we can be radically generous. One is our time. Time holds value. The Israelites gave their time in the building of the tabernacle. God allows us to use our time. It's something you can't get back. It's something that is only used once. Time has value, but in that time, we build relationship. We build friendship, whether it's going on a hike, sitting down to coffee with someone, praying with somebody, reading with someone, your time is valuable. And to be generous with our time, to be intentional with that generosity, it, it, it moves mountains, it speaks volumes. It, it's through that that we are able to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. Another way that we can give radically is through our talent. As we read in our story, God gave talent to all of these people to build the tabernacle. God has given all of us talents. You see, just because people are up here, we have Eddie, we have uh, 
Chris and Sadie, their talents are up front. You see it. I'm up front. But the talents that are in the back with Pete leading our ushers, with the sound people of Lorelei and Adam and, and the, our kids workers downstairs with our, with our babies. The, those are talents. Everybody has a talent. We all have a job to do. We all can give of our talents. It is something that God has given to us. Some of us are teachers. The Bible that we saw in our story, he gave the ability for them to teach the skills. So it goes back to uh, thinking outside of the box on how God can use us and use our talents to reach and love on people. And the third way is our resources. Now, I have saved resources for the last for a specific reason, and I will get to that in just a second. But first, I want to read to you from Exodus. We're going to look at chapter 36, verses 2 through 7. It says this, So Moses told Bezalel and Holiab to begin the work. Along with all those who were specially gifted by the Lord, Moses gave them the materials donated by the people for the completion of the sanctuary. Additional gifts were brought each morning. But finally, the craftsmen left their work to meet with Moses. We have more than enough material on hand now to complete the job the Lord has given us to do, they exclaimed. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Bring no more materials. You have already given more than enough. So the people stopped bringing their offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Our resources, or rather, our money, our finances, your pocketbook, your billfold, the checkbook, for those of you that remember the checkbook, the piggy bank, the coffee can, the mattress stuffing, the ceiling stash, the, you get, you get my point. You see, this is where everybody goes when we start talking about radical generosity. I would almost guarantee that when I said generosity, we thought about money. Why? Because it hurts to give our money. We work hard for it. It's uncomfortable. You see, it's easier for us to give our time. It's easier for us to give of our talents. We have bills to pay. We have food to put on the table. Time and talent are easier to give. Those things don't restrict me from getting what I want. You see, I saved this for last for the sole reason that if you thought that this message was to get you to give more money, I'm afraid you've missed the point. You've missed the principle you see, the church, we're not after your money. We're after you understanding this principle that it's who God is to his core. It's a, it's a character trait of who God is. You see, it's a heart thing. It's a trust thing. And if we give of our time, our talent, and our money, you're not giving to me. You're giving to God. The mindset needs to be, I am giving it to God. I'm giving it in service. I'm giving it in trust to, to God. Now, this next story I tell, I don't say for, for kudos. I don't, I don't say, I, I don't tell um, this story to, for pity or to boast. Uh, I share it to brag on my king and who he is. I personally don't make a ton of money. 
I would fall into the lower middle class of the socioeconomic scale. From a very young age, my mom taught me, give, give. At around the age 10, I started working, mowing lawns uh, around the neighborhood, shoveling sidewalks, and my mom always made it a point, whatever you make, 10%, 10%. And so uh, I would go to kids' church, and I would give that 10%, and she told me, you must give the 10% before you spend it on anything else. The first 10% goes to God because God can do more with your 90 than you can do with your 100. She said, when you give after, say you go buy your toy and then you give to God after, you've missed the faith portion of it. My faith is being stretched. It's being built. When I give before, when I give the first fruits, I'm saying, God, I'm not trusting my provision. I'm not trusting my ability. I am trusting you and your word and your promise to do what you said you would do. You said you would provide. You see, my God has provided for me and my family in more ways than one. There were times I shared when we got married, I was making nine bucks an hour crazy not the best financial plan to get married but we did it we were frivolous when we were racking up debt and not being wise with our money but we were con consistent giving the, the 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 tithe on the gross every week every time I, we got paid and god made the ends meet he stretched the money you see did it come in someone saying here's 150 bucks Go pay your bills. No, it came in different ways. It came in ways of Allison's parents showing up with groceries, filling our gas tank. My parents giving us meat from their freezer. Friends blessing us with furniture and appliances and computers. Family and friends blessing our kids with clothing so that we didn't have to spend the money on those things, allowing us to pay for the bills. You see, my hope in today's message is to help you realize that giving is a God principle, that we need to trust God in this principle, even though it can be extremely difficult. He will honor your faith. I am living proof that he will honor your faith. Real quick, uh, for about five years, Allison and I coordinated the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace class. It's an incredible class. Um, he teaches you how God will provide for you, but also how you need to live on a budget. You need to tell your money where to go. But he uses this example of giving. He said, if I have money in my hand and my hand is closed, that money will go nowhere. You're not going to lose it, but no one can put anything else in it. Your, fist, your hand is closed. You're closed to the blessing. But as soon as I open my hand, that money, yes, it will leave but God will fill it back up. You can receive the blessing because now you are open. You know, the Bible is clear. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, one thing I noticed here at the end of this text was the people were giving and giving and giving. Did God push them to give into poverty? No. Did God push them to give for they had nothing left? No, they still had. They still were provided for. When we give out of faith, when we give out of trust, God blesses and provides for us. 
It's a trust and character trait that we need to embrace. Imagine, my friends, if we as a church body, as a group of people, would understand that this radical generosity through our time, through our talents, through our resources, what could happen through those relationships, through God using those things that he has given to us, you know, if it wasn't for your faithfulness and giving, there would have been no backpack outreach. There would have been no trunk or treat. There wouldn't be those things. Your faithfulness and, the, and your generosity makes those things possible. How much more could we do if we would give radically? Radical generosity is evidence of our faith and our trust in God. Radical generosity is evidence of our faith and trust in God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you give us clear examples throughout your word of your generosity and how radical it is. From the beginning of time to the end of time, all the way through the middle. And I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts, open our spirits and our, our minds to really weigh what it means to be radically generous. That it's not just finances, but it's also our time and our, our talents. But it does involve finances. And as Tommy said in the video, you will stretch us in the areas that we are most uncomfortable, where we need to grow the most. And I pray that we won't close you off to those stretchings, to you pushing us in those areas. Because I believe as we grab hold of this idea of radical generosity, the amount of good, the amount of growth for your kingdom that could happen could be substantial. So I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, work in our spirits, and stir within us this desire to be generous with all of our life. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, real quick, reflection and a challenge. My reflection is this. What talents has God given you? What can you do in your abilities that God has given you to do work for his kingdom? Where could you give of your time? Where could you serve people? And where do you put your trust when it comes to finances? My challenge is this. Use your time and talents God has given you. Use them to love people, to serve people. And I challenge you to put your finances in God's hands. I truly believe that if we do this, if we trust God with this, he will provide for us. Some of us need to learn how to work on a budget. And I hope that in the future we can offer the Dave Ramsey class here because it transformed our lives. But my friends, go, go, go with this. If we will be a church of people that will embrace giving in every area of our lives, following the example of Jesus, we will see God bless us, we will see God use us, and we will see people around us be reached for God's kingdom. I thank you guys for being here. I love you. God bless.